Good morning. Today's reading is from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through to 11. Um, Jesus taken up into heaven. In my former book, Theolophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostle he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Thanks, Margaret. Well, this year we're going to start the book of Acts. So this isn't just a one-off sermon. We're going to, we're going to sit in the book of Acts for a little while. Uh, we're going to lead into our missions month into May. And in May, what we're going to do is run the Alpha course here. So you, for the four weeks, and then anyone who you've brought along who wants to continue on, uh, I will find a time and a date that I will finish the Alpha course with them. So I think uh, Acts is a great opportunity for us, not only to see the early church and see the acts of the risen Lord Jesus working through the Holy Spirit and his apostles and people, um, but it also helps us to see community, how the church was built and why, uh, why it is built in that way. So let us pray and, uh, and we'll have a look uh, at this. Father God, thank you for uh, all that's happened already in this service. As we open your word now, Lord, uh, we pray that you see it as the authority that it is help us to hear it help us to seek the truth through the holy spirit father help our hearts to hear the truth and father god apply it to our lives and help us to go from here being encouraged or challenged or whatever it is that we need uh, as you know our hearts and we pray this in jesus name amen well about 10 years ago in time magazine i'm not sure if i've shared this with you here i don't think i have uh, but the, there was a story about hillary clinton and it was when she was running for the presidency uh, back in 2016. she was yet to make a commitment at that time uh, the author of the article described the typical questions a potential candidate 
uh, asks before they decide to run for the presidency. You'd think it would be other questions, but do they have credibility with donors, those whose finan who financially support them? Do they have access to media? Do they have leverage uh, to secure endorsements? In other words, do they have enough financial and media power to become the President of the United States? Well, the run-up to the US election is a long road, and unless you have access to enormous resources and enormous media support, there's not much point in running. What the article explained, however, is that Hillary Clinton already had all that. When she sneezed, they reported about it. They hung on her every word. She had financial donors which would do anything uh, it took to get her into the White House. In fact, there were a few people who had never, there was never probably anyone who was better positioned to run for the office of president. And because of all this, the Time magazine headlined their article, Can Anyone Stop Hillary? And because of this, I think everyone wanted to stop Hillary. But was there anyone who could possibly run against her in 2016 and win? Well, history shows there was. But it's a question that has been asked throughout history of people, of nations, or even of technology. We're currently facing the AI technology. Can anything stop AI? Well, as we begin to look at the book of Acts this morning, this same question is at the heart of the book of Acts. The question in Acts is this, can anything stop King Jesus from restoring the kingdom of God? Just head back. When, 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 I, when I read the, the verse, if you could go to it then, because I can see everyone looking up there for some reason. I'll give you a nod, Graham. That might be easier. See, can anything stop King Jesus from restoring the kingdom of God? That's the question that the book of Acts is really answering. And for the first time in history, we have an answer that is no. Can anything stop Jesus from fulfilling God's plan and ushering the kingdom of God back to dominance? Unlike Hillary Clinton, there's no one and no thing that can stop Jesus in fulfilling God's promises. Now, the book of Acts was written by Luke. And in his first gospel, he wrote to Theophilus and to all Christian readers that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the Saviour. He has risen. He has, he's the ascended king of the kingdom of God. And if you have a look, and I haven't got this up behind me, but if you have a look back at Luke chapter 1, uh, we, we read this. Luke says, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. See, Luke was a doctor and he was very methodical and he did a lot of research and it was for the assurance of the things you have been taught. And in Acts, having established Jesus as the promised saviour, Luke is now answering the question, can anything stop this Messiah, this king? Well, in Acts, we'll encounter persecution, we'll encounter stonings, we'll encounter killings, we'll encounter pagan culture, shipwrecks, personal greed. 
misunderstood theology, imprisonment, theological disagreements in the church, corrupt trials. But despite this, the spread of the gospel and the building of the kingdom of God is unstoppable. But we'll also see that as people of faith, as people of the kingdom of God under the lordship of Jesus Christ, we have an integral part and role to play in the restoration of the kingdom of God and the fulfilment of the plan of salvation. So if you do have your Bibles, and there are some in the pews in front of you, uh, just open up to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. I will have some things on the screen, but it's always good to open uh, the Bible so you can see the context. See, Luke finished his first gospel with the ascension of Jesus. And he begins Acts uh, with this. So verses 1 and 2. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So the Gospel of Luke, his first Gospel, was about what Jesus began to do and to teach. The book of Acts is about what Jesus continues to do and to teach. See, while we like to call uh, Acts the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit, it says here it's actually the Acts of the risen and ascended Lord Jesus who is working through the Holy Spirit and through his people. He works through the Holy Spirit, through his people, but it is the acts of the risen Lord Jesus. And verse 3 refers back to the last chapter of Luke's Gospel where Jesus gave many convincing proofs that he had been resurrected and was alive. But what's central in the first 11 verses here is the emphasis on the kingdom of God. Have a look at the uh, second part of verse 3. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. See, for the 40 days following his resurrection, the topic of conversation was the kingdom of God. Now, this shouldn't be surprising because the hope of Israel was that the Messiah would restore the kingdom of Israel to power. When the true Messiah appeared, the true king came to sit on God's throne, he would restore the kingdom. It was the promise of the Old Testament prophets. And it's been central to the hope of Israel ever since the exile. But then in verses 4 to 8, Luke recounts a conversation that occurred about the kingdom of God. Uh, verses 4 and 5 say this. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. See, Luke hasn't put this encounter in here randomly. It certainly functions to recount historical truth, but he's just told us for 40 days all they've talked about is the kingdom of God and he puts this one occasion smack bang at the beginning of his gospel. 
See, Jesus is referring to Pentecost, which will come in chapter 2, when the Spirit was poured out on all believers. And the significance of this is that it is the fulfilment of the prophecy to the, uh, to the prophet Joel. And it was an indication that the last days had arrived, that the Messiah had come and the kingdom of God would be restored. So the statement about pouring out of the Holy Spirit provokes a question by, by the disciples in verse 6. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? See, they're thinking Jesus is about to demolish the Roman Empire and to establish the earthly kingdom of Israel again. And it's Jesus' response in verses 7 and 8 which is crucial for us to understand the entire book of Acts, I believe. If you have a look at verses 7 and 8, he responds by saying, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, when we read that response, if we don't understand the underlying uh, meaning under the surface of what Jesus uh, is saying, we may think that he's saying quite the opposite to what he's actually saying. Now, I started having babies late in life. I was 41 when I had my first child. I didn't have the baby. Uh, that would be a miracle. Um, miracles happen, but not for me. Uh, and, but I had a long time in my life where all my friends were having children. And, uh, and there were always conversations uh, before I had children that I never understood. Because I wasn't a parent, and particularly, and more importantly, I wasn't a woman. But someone who's had a baby seems to pick up quickly if someone else is pregnant. I don't know if you notice that. But there's a communication that happens. But I never knew it was happening. There might have been ten of us at someone's house sitting around enjoying an afternoon together. Someone might offer some wine. And a friend that always loves a glass of wine suddenly declines. She doesn't feel like it. All the women with children in the room exchange glances. Hmm. I'm thinking, all I'm thinking is whether there are any cheese and crackers coming. <laughs> and then they come. And the soft cheese gets passed around and the same woman who loves cheese doesn't take any. So one of the women asks the suspect, hmm, no soft cheese for you, huh? And there's a smile, and all the women are inwardly rejoicing at this amazing announcement of pregnancy. Meanwhile, all I'm rejoicing in the fact that I'm getting more cheese. <laughs> I'm totally oblivious to it. See, Jesus' Jesus's response here on the surface looks different to what it actually means. It can look like he's avoiding the question or he's rebuking his disciples and talking about something else. No, stop asking about the kingdom of Israel. All you need to know is what's going to happen next. 
And that is kind of there. It's certainly there. Stop asking about when. But underneath all that, he's actually saying, yes, but don't ask when. Yes, but don't ask when. I am going to restore the kingdom. Don't ask when or how this will be finished or exactly when things will take place, but yes. And there are three evidences of that here, and there should be a slide with these up. Three evidences that Jesus says here. One, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is the sign of the end times. And we'll look at that over the next couple of weeks in Pentecost. Secondly, the Lord will witness uh, will be witnessed to the ends of the earth. And this is the fulfilment of God's prophecies uh, of all nations with salvation. And thirdly, God, uh, God's people will be that witness. See, Israel were meant to glorify the Lord. They were the ones who were meant to uh, establish the kingdom on the earth. But they were always pointing to the true Israelite, Jesus, who could fulfill that mandate and then graft those by faith in, whether Israelite by birth or not birth, uh, into, that, uh, into that kingdom uh, of God. So there are three markers that are all in that response that he has there that help us understand he's actually saying yes, but stop asking when. See, Acts is a witness of how Jesus was and is doing that through the Holy Spirit, working through his people. Now, while it's not the only thing in the book of Acts, there are many, many wonderful teachings and there's wonderful theological themes that Luke brings out and we'll look at all those as we go through it. Luke is reinforcing that the primary purpose the foundation or the, the structural component is about the kingdom of God being restored on the earth. See, Luke's designed acts just like someone designs a house. Now, a number of years ago, there should be a picture. I'm sure I've shown this to you before, haven't I? Anyway, uh, a number of years ago, the richest man in India and the fourth richest in the world decided to build his family a home in Mumbai. It cost $1 billion at the time. It's 27 storeys high. It's 173 metres high. It has six floors of parking, a helipad on top with air traffic control. There are guest apartments and a health centre. Not a bad house for a family. Now, the frame of the house is what holds it all together, believe it or not. The frame of the house is what holds it all together. But within the framework... There are f other frameworks that hold the bedroom section and the health section and, and, and parking sections. So there's frameworks within frameworks. But ultimately, his house is defined as the home by the overall framework. See, Luke is here intentionally putting a frame around his book to help us understand that all the other bits of framework and we'll look at all those at times and we'll be challenged and we'll be surprised and there'll be lots of wonderful things happening, but all of them exist within this framework of showing how Jesus is restoring the kingdom of God through the Holy Spirit working through his people. And with any good framework, you need 
a, a full frame. Uh, so let me just quickly show you that framework that Luke's put. So if you go to Acts chapter 28. So Acts chapter 28, verse 20 to the end, verse 31, Luke really sums up. He, he, he brings it to a conclusion like a good essay. He, he states, he introduces, he puts his main argument, and then at the end he concludes, which is really another uh, a look at the introduction in many respects. But Luke has intentionally put a framework here of the kingdom of God. If you have a look at verse uh, 20 and 31, so verse 20 of, uh, of Acts, uh, Acts 28. For this reason, I have asked to see and talk with you. So he's, he's actually speaking and he's called for all the Jewish leaders uh, in Rome. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. And then in verse 31, he says this. He we're told this. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. See, it begins introducing the kingdom of God with Jesus' one account of 40 days of talking about the kingdom of God, which highlights that the kingdom will be restored on the earth, but we don't know exactly when that's going to be completed. And it finishes with Paul proclaiming the kingdom of God. He has overcome all the opposition, everything that's been against it. It has been unhinderedly, we're told, now being preached. So what was uncertain at the beginning of Acts, which shows all the trials and all the opposition and everything that is against the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're now told at the end of Acts, it is unhindered. It is unstoppable. It is unlike Hillary Clinton. It is unlike AI. It is unlike anything else. The kingdom of God is unstoppable. And that's what Acts is about. Well, when we are saved, when we come to a saving faith, we are grafted in to the kingdom of God. We are adopted as God's children, sons and daughters, and we become part of the kingdom, his children. We are now in relationship with God, as our Father, Jesus, as our Lord and Saviour and Brother, and the Holy Spirit, as our Comforter, as our Paraclete, as the, the one who goes and, and argues on our behalf, who restores us from the inside out. And our primary role is to then go and proclaim the Kingdom of God. But often we get caught on the proclamation of the Word. I love proclaiming the Gospel. But there are really three components of a healthy way of proclaiming the gospel. One, the word. Greek word logos. Two, it's relationship, it's community. Greek word, let's call it pathos. But the community, the, 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 the being together, the relationship, the living this together out in community. 
And then there's the ethos, the ethic that people see. The fruits of the Spirit, the love, the joy, peace, patience, forbearance, goodness, faithfulness, kindness, self-control. The things that the world longs for and seeks for in an ethical way. People who live authentically in a way which reflects the Lord. Logos, pathos, ethos, word, relationship, community, and ethic. And my heart is really to start living that out in our community. I'm not saying we don't do that. I'm not saying we haven't done that. But I do see that, and I've heard your voices. We want to be a community. The ethic, well, you need to work on that with the Holy Spirit. The word... We can continue in that. But let's build relationships so that we can bring people in and experience what it is to be children of God in the kingdom of God with a greater purpose, with a greater meaning to our life that so far surpasses anything that the world has comprehended. I know when I became a Christian, the thing that struck me is that I, never, I, I no longer had to find a purpose in, in the materialism or the wealth or, or people. I suddenly had a, a purpose that went so far beyond that. It is a purpose that is spiritual and not earthly. It is not building the earthly state of Israel. It is building the spiritual state of Israel by bringing people into this community helping them hear the word and let the Holy Spirit build his kingdom through us. So that's my prayer for our church. And I hope as the year goes on, we can do that more and more and we'll talk more and more about other ways we can do that. Uh, if you haven't been to an evening service, uh, we're going to have one tonight, 5.30. We've transformed the upper part into a cafe, effectively a cafe, it's not the cafe of my dreams, but <laughs> um, it's a cafe and it looks great. And um, we, we're going to provide an alternative environment um, to be able to bring people into if you feel that that might uh, function better. Well, let me pray and, uh, and we'll commit these things to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the book of Acts. Uh, we thank you that it not only shows us your early church and how it was formed, but that Jesus' purpose for us and for your people is to build the kingdom of God, uh, to go out and to proclaim him with our life, with our relationships and with the word, the gospel, the good news. And so, Father God, bless us now as we go from here. Bless this year, Lord. It's a new year. It's a fresh start. And, Father, we just pray that you build relationship in our church and build relationship between our church and our broader community so that we may proclaim and build the kingdom of God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.